0: Uh, we've entered the season of flying reindeer, elves making toys in the North Pole, uh, the miraculous powers of Santa Claus. Uh, we know it's all fantasy and fairy tales, but the kind of imaginative atmosphere kind of distorts and discolours the accounts of Jesus' birth. Uh, we've entered the season of chestnuts roasting on an open fire, sleigh bells ringing, and Frosty the Snowman... Uh, we know that's all movies and music from the Northern Hemisphere and their wintry Christmas. But all that seems unreal and unusual because we have a summer Christmas. It's just another experience of disconnecting and detaching us from the reality of Christmas. The reality of what the Bible says about Jesus. Uh, for, for many of us, the, the celebration of Christmas is, is about trees and, and tinsel. Nativity scenes, sparkling decorations, and it can make the message of Jesus and his birth actually a bit more unreal because all of this is temporary. Uh, we put it up for a few weeks of the year and then we pack away all the nativity scene, all the decorations, and we go back to normal life without Jesus, without the Bible. And of course that distrust and disbelief of the Bible isn't just a Christmas phenomenon, uh, that, that's the view powerfully at work in our society all the time. Oh, the Bible, it's a collection of myths and tall tales. It's a compilation of exaggerations and legends. It's, it's fundamentally unreliable. Who knows what happened? It's all so long ago. Well, well Luke, our author, says that he's determined to cut through nonsense and fables. The, the opening sentence, if you've got the Bible open, it's just one page back. Uh, he says what we're reading is based on eyewitness accounts, carefully investigated, and an orderly presentation of what happened. Luke wants his readers to know the certainty of what they've been told. So it's up to us to kind of weigh the evidence that Luke puts before us. Now, of course, if we're going to weigh evidence, we do have to begin by acknowledging that we're biased. Everyone is biased. Now, perhaps you're biased because you are a Christian, and so you look favourably on what Luke has to say. Perhaps you're biased because, oh, I don't believe in the supernatural. I mean, these chapters are full of angels popping up left, right and centre. There we are. What Luke says can't be true. Of course... You can't disprove that angels exist any more than I can prove that they do exist. But if there is a God, if there is enough evidence as you look out at this world to say there must have been a designer, there must be a maker, a creator behind all of this. It couldn't have all just come about by, by chance and enough time. Well, well, if there is a God, angels shouldn't be automatically ruled out, should they? They're small things in comparison to if there is a God. So perhaps you'll suspend some disbelief for the moment. Uh, Luke wants us to think about this event not as a fairy tale, but as history. Uh, chapter 1, when he gets going, says he marks the time with Herod of Judah. Uh, chapter 3, across the page... Uh, begins with, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, and the chapter we're looking at, chapter 2, it begins with, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So, all of these are dates. That's what this is saying. Here's the time when this happened. And then Luke drops a pin on the location. Uh, verse 4, Nazareth and Galilee, Judea, Bethlehem, the town of David. Uh, th- th- these are real places. You can go there. Uh, Luke is pointing us to a time and a place in history and saying something really happened there and then. And the thing that he points us to could not be more ordinary. Uh, verse 5, Joseph went to Bethlehem to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Uh, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Uh, bureaucracy was alive and well in the Roman Empire so Joseph and Mary had to go and travel to Bethlehem. Uh, not too different than some of you having to drive to Wellington or Auckland to, to visit an embassy and be there in person to receive a visa stamp in your passport. Can't I just post? No, no, no. You have to be here in person. Bureaucracy is alive and well. It's, it, it lives on. So, you have a travelling couple who are away from home and they have a baby. Not that unusual. Uh, they live before hospitals were invented, so they have a home birth. Not that unusual. Uh, they are a poor couple, so they use the bits of furniture that are lying around where they are. They happen to use an animal's feeding trough as a bassinet. It's all very ordinary. Uh, Every day, babies are born into this world. Uh, some are born in white, sterile hospitals, but, but many are born in brown mud huts, and if all we had were the first seven verses of this chapter, there's nothing particularly surprising or novel about Jesus and his birth. We don't even get his name in those first seven verses. It's all very ordinary. A very ordinary human baby. Or oh, there might be some incredible claims uh, that are going to be made about him, but he's not less than being a human baby. And if he was not one of us, if he was not one of us in his humanity, then he couldn't represent us, he couldn't stand in for us, he couldn't be the saviour that we need. So, so within all the glitz and sparkle of Christmas, amongst all the angels and prophecies and miracles, even remembering his miraculous nature of his birth, at Christmas we must hold on to the humanity of Jesus. This is a real, ordinary Baby, In defending the, the importance of Jesus before a, a sceptical world, we, we can't downplay his humanity. No, no, we celebrate and rejoice in his humanity. He is one with us. But the Bible does claim that he is more than that. Not less than, but more than. And we have two sets of witnesses to mark out how Jesus is special. We have the words of the angels and we have the words of the shepherds. Firstly, the angels. Um, if the arrival of the baby was ordinary and humdrum, this announcement is anything but. We have an angel of the Lord. We have a great company of the heavenly host. That's literally, we have a heavenly army. Uh, we have the glory of God in highest heaven. The sky, so to speak, has been torn open and this luminescent portal into heaven has opened up. Heaven and all its glory has drawn near. Heaven has broken into our world. And that all seems strange and rare and unusual. That this is miraculous and exceptional. But that unusualness is a sign that our world is broken and corrupted. The distance between heaven and earth is a sign that things are wrong. I mean, have you ever thought about it? The fact that you don't hear the glory of heaven. You can't hear it now. That's a sign that there's something wrong with our world. God and humanity are separated, estranged, at war. So this appearance of heaven, it's an amazing reversal of the norm. It's a picture of heaven and earth reunited things being put right glory to god in the highest heaven and on earth peace see what does the the, the birth of this baby boy mean well, well it's a picture of heaven and earth coming together that the angels of heaven being heard by shepherds in a field it's a hint of what is happening through the arrival of this baby in the manger and it isn't just a flash in the pan, a kind of one-off, never-to-be-repeated event. In the coming of this baby, full human, full divinity, there's now a kind of permanent, enduring connection between heaven and earth. And to bring that reconciliation of heaven and earth, to restore the relationship between God and humanity, there needs to be a rescuer. There needs to be a saviour. And that's the message of the angels. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That is, a rescuer has been born for you. He is God's special king. He is the ruler who was promised by God. Do you see that it is... Surprising and unexpected envoy that's come from heaven with this incredible message. This is not people, you know, going on a long spiritual journey, a trek to seek and search out for God. I've climbed up a high mountain peak to sort of meet Him halfway. I'm undergoing a mystical ceremony to encounter the divine. No, no. God sends His messengers to explain what's happening. If God didn't tell us, we wouldn't know. We'd just be left guessing. What does this baby mean? But he has told us, so no need for guessing. The movement is from heaven to earth. The message is from the angels to the shepherds. This is God entering the world. This is God initiating something new. See, I've got a little grandson. He's here today. Who could look at his life now and say this is what will be his future will be? Oh, you can imagine all sorts of things you want. But this baby Jesus, the angel says oh, we know exactly who he's going to be. He's going to be the rescuer, the saviour. And the angel can deliver that message because God has sent this child into the world for that purpose. See, at Christmas we remember that God initiated a rescue mission and it began with the birth of Jesus. After thousands and thousands of years, stretching all the way back to the Garden of Eden and the creation of the world, generation after generation of humanity defying God, stretching all the way back to Adam and Eve, after all of that, here was God putting his long-promised rescue mission into action and it began with the birth of Jesus. That's what we are reminding ourselves of each Christmas. The birth of Jesus is God acting to save people. The house is on fire. The call goes out for help. There's a time of waiting and then at last the fire crews arrive. There's been a medical emergency. Someone dials 111. There are some anxious moments of delay. Then at last the ambulance arrives. The boat is sinking. The disaster call it's broadcast over the radio. There are some tense moments floating in the water and then at last the rescue helicopter arrives. Humanity has been trapped in a cycle of resisting and rejecting God. We face God's judgment, but in our stubborn pride, we don't call for help. All is lost. It's futile. And then without deserving it, God sends a rescuer. Someone who can break the penalty and the power of our sinful rebellion. And it all starts with the birth of Jesus. This is the message announced by the angels. But the message doesn't stay with the angels. Which brings us to the shepherds. See, there's a role for the shepherds, and therefore there's a role for us. Now, because part of what we see in this passage is a kind of transfer from heaven to earth from the angels to the shepherds. Uh, we see the, the praise that begins in heaven with the angels being taken up on earth by the shepherds. See, the angels are singing glory to God in the highest, verse 14, but the praise and glory of heaven doesn't stay there. It's transferred. See, at the, uh, the beginning of this little encounter, the shepherds are fearful, but look where they end up, verse twenty. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. This is a sort of baton passing moment. The praise and glory of the angels in heaven continuing through the shepherds. Again, the message begins on heavenly lips. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. I cause great joy for all people today in the town of David a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Again, when this episode concludes, it's the shepherds who leave. And the message is on their lips. So verse 17, when they'd seen him, the baby, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. This has been a transfer of the message from the angels to the shepherds. The angels leave, but the shepherds keep spreading the word about this child. See, the job of the angels is picked up by the shepherds. See, this Christmas, you might think to yourself, well, if I had an angel from heaven come and tell me about Jesus, okay, maybe then I might believe. But what we see in this passage is that the job of the angels has been passed on to the shepherds. And the shepherds weren't gullible fools. I mean, they had an encounter with a company of angels, but that wasn't enough for them. Uh, verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they went to check out the truth of what they'd been told. Verse 16, so they hurry off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They went and they became eyewitnesses of the baby Jesus. They were eyewitnesses to all that the angels had said. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they'd been told. See, they received an angelic message and they went and examined the events for themselves and then they became the eyewitnesses announcing a message for everyone, even for you and for me. See, we don't need an angel to come and talk to us we have the eyewitness testimony of the shepherds passed on to us through Luke's account. And the message from the shepherds is this. Everyone needs to know that this important birth has happened. God's rescue mission has been put into action through Jesus. And the proper response to the birth of Christ the Lord, the newborn king, is not a curt, eh, a passing shrug at least as far as Luke is concerned, the proper response at the very best is keep reading his gospel account with hope and expectation. You're being promised something in this baby. Does it turn out that way? This is chapter 2 of 24. Uh, Luke has more to show us, to hear the words, to see his actions. Uh, because the baby grew into a man who showed humanity what it means to be truly alive. What it meant to be sacrificial in the way that you lived, to lay down your life for others, to be resurrected as Messiah and Lord. Now, Christ is the one in charge, the one that we follow, the one that we obey. Uh, Luke's account is but a few pages, not a big read, and yet you can read a great account of Jesus' life. You could even do it today. Uh, this year, just don't simply pack Jesus away when you take down all the Christmas decorations and store them in the garage. Uh, God has spoken from heaven through his angels to tell you that there is more to Jesus. And God is still speaking through the shepherds and through their eyewitness testimony preserved here in Luke's Gospel. Uh, the message we are to receive is promised to be good news, that will cause great joy for all people. We have a Saviour who's been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. It's a promise of something good, not just for a few days each year, but for every day of the rest of your life. Surely that's a message worth listening to, worth considering carefully. Let's take a moment to pray together. Father in heaven, we want to give you thanks and praise. You're the great God, and in your wisdom, you sent the Lord Jesus into the world, a baby, born in a manger 2,000 years ago. Help us to hear the words of the angels. Help us to grasp the eyewitness testimony of the shepherds. Help us to read on in Luke's gospel and know who Jesus is, and may that change and transform us forever, we ask. Amen.